It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed Delano Magic's offense is not good I- I'm not here to say otherwise but there's one thing that the Magic did offensively this year that does bode well for the future and one thing they gotta fix heading into next season it's time for Locked On Magic you are Locked On Magic your daily Orlando Magic podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team Every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is April 18th, 2023. My name is Philip Ross. I am the expert insight editor over at Orlando Magic Daily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip RR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about the one thing the Orlando Magic do well offensively that they need to build on and grow upon to take their next steps, plus one thing the Magic don't do well on offense or defense that does not bode well for the future and something they have to fix. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. First, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app now and create an account and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Orlando Maddox's offense is not good. Um, I, I, it just needs to be said. It, it, the numbers are all there. We know the Magic have struggled offensively since uh, Dwight Howard left. It, it, it's, it's not been a pretty picture. And as offenses have taken off around the league, the Magic have very much been left behind. And, and, and you know, talent is certainly a big part of that. That The players they've had is certainly a big part of that. We're not going to deny that the Magic are not not ideal offensively and, and, and could still use plenty of, plenty of things they can improve on and grow upon and, and do to get a whole lot better. 
Last year, the Magic finished 26th in the league in offensive rating at about 111 points per 100 possessions. It's not good. And, and we're going to get into some of the, at least one of the reasons why the Magic's offense is not good, or is not at least ranking well uh, in the second segment of today's show. So we're not going to forget that. But I like to start with the positive and, and start with the bright spot in the Magic's offense because the Magic have been a bottom 10 offense every year since Dwight Howard left more than a decade ago now. We know that it is still a constant struggle. We know, and we will talk about in the second segment. You can guess what I'm going to talk about there because we can't dance around it too much. We know three-point shooting and adding more shooting is going to unlock so much of this offense. I'm a big believer that the Magic don't necessarily have to go out and get a star in this this offseason. I don't feel like, you know, I feel like the Magic are in position to make the star trade, but I don't think they have to do it this offseason. But I would like to see the Magic spend their free agency, their off-season energy in is improving their depth, getting a more reliable bench, creating areas where your lineups can get more balanced. Yeah, that that probably means, you know, I, I know I know there's a few people who are very out on Gary Harris. I am not out on Gary Harris. I think he had a, pre, a decent season. Getting him more shots or, or creating scenarios where he gets more shots is a big part of it. And honestly, a lot of the Magic's offense is just better decision-making from young players. It's not that... Paolo Bancaro made bad decisions. It's not that Franz Wagner made bad decisions. Um, it's it's that they didn't always make the right decision or didn't make the right decision on time. And and that throws off your offense when your main creators don't always make the right calls. And yes, there's a lot that this team needs to get, get right. But there was one thing this season that pointed in the right direction. One thing that did... Provide a little bit of energy or a little bit of optimism about what the Magic's offense can be. And that would be the team's free throw shooting. I talked about it a lot throughout the course of the season. Uh, once once we kind of noticed it, once we kind of noted it, that the Magic actually were pretty good at getting to the foul line. They finished the year 8th in the league in free throw attempts per game at around 25 per game. They finished 6th in the league in free throw rate at 29, 29%, actually 5th in the league in free throw rate, at 29%, essentially making three, essentially taking three free throws for every 10 field goals they attempted. That's 29%, three, about three field goals for every 10, 10, three free throws for every 10 field goals that they attempted. The Magic had not finished outside of the bottom five, I believe. Maybe there was one time in the last in the last decade, but they finished outside of the bottom five in free throw rate. Obviously, a big factor in this is Paolo Bancaro. He averaged 7.8 free throw attempts per game. He's the first rookie to average seven or more free throw attempts per game since, uh, at least in a full season, since Blake Griffin in 2011. Zion Williamson, Joel Embiid did it in limited action in their rookie years. Uh, And no rookie had done it before Blake Griffin since Allen Iverson in 1997. Rookies aren't supposed to get the benefit of the doubt. They aren't supposed to get the whistle. And yeah, Bancaro's free throws tailed off toward the end of the season. But it's certainly possible that Bancaro will be an eight, nine, maybe even 10 free throw attempts per game person. This is not a skill that goes away. And Bancaro says he could get a lot better at drawing fouls. He could be a lot more, he could be a lot craftier at, at getting to the line. And as his efficiency improves, even if he keeps, even if he keeps at 7.8 free throws, even if he's at eight free throw attempts per game uh, for the rest of his career, as his efficiency and decision-making improves, his scoring is going to jump up. So like, Again, not to get back into the Rookie of the Year debate, but this 20 points per game that he scored this year feels like the floor because he's going to get a lot better, and that's going to put him up, you know, again, 
improving efficiency is what, two more field goals? That's going to get you to 24, 25, maybe 26 points per game um, when you're at your peak, especially if you're a free throw, if you continue to get to the line at the level that Paolo is. So be excited about Paolo Bancaro, but he's a big reason why the, he's a big reason why the, the, this team's free throws just transformed. He was a one-man wrecking crew getting to the foul line at 7.8 per game, but he wasn't the only one that got better. Franz Wagner jumped from 2.8 free throw attempts per game his rookie year to four free throw attempts per game this year. And I would even argue that Franz can get to the line even more. He does. He works really well to avoid contact, that he finds a way to draw contact, to bait players into, into fouling him. He, he's already a great free throw shooter. He can easily get to five or six. And then if you have Paolo at, at seven, eight free throw attempts per game, Franz at five, six, that's the basis for a really strong attack. That's the basis for... Get, for being able to spread the floor out a little bit to get to open shooters. That's the basis for getting the line and getting easy points. The Magic relied on free throw shooting. And again, it wasn't just him that improved. Wendell Carter improved improved slightly. Uh, Cole Anthony got... Oh, Cole Anthony improved. Jalen Suggs improved up to 2.2 free throw attempts per game. At least getting the line once certainly can do a lot better there. Mo Wagner it took more than three free throw attempts per game. Magic had four players with more than three free, free, three free throw attempts per game. A big improvement over last year just got to the line more. It's plain and simple. The Magic got to the line more. And this proved to be a huge part of the offense. So much of what the Magic were trying to do offensively this year was about getting into the paint, getting downhill, getting to the basket. And the Magic the Magic were really good at this. Um, they maybe weren't always efficient at scoring or finishing at the rim, but they could get to the foul line. And that is something. Uh, it's not everything. It's something. Uh, and it's something that the Magic could hang their hats on at least a little bit offensively. It's something that they could at least build on a little bit offensively. And, you know, so much of this season, it, it I, I feel like a lot of the debates that we had throughout the course of the season were, were between wanting results now and wanting to see the finished product and wanting to see the foundation get built and, and waiting for this foundation to solidify this season was about building that foundation. This season was about showing the bones of who this team is going to be. And the Magic showed that off. Honestly, they showed it off throughout the course of the year. They showed off who they want to be. And free throw shooting is going to be a critical part, a critical aspect of this team and how they develop offensively. It is going to be absolutely vital that this team get to the foul line consistently, make those free throws, and and, and put themselves and and that's an area where they could certainly improve too. Orlando was 16th in free throw free throw percentage this year at like 73.6, I think. Um, it's it's gonna this is gonna be a huge part of the offense. And so as the Magic spend their offseason filling out the rest of their offense, getting shooters, getting more consistent play off the bench, adding a few more veterans who are, are less variable as they add these things. Free throw shooting is going to be something that lifts this because free throw shooting, free throw shooting was so vital to this team already. The fact of the matter is, and this is what we'll get into in the second segment of our show and what went wrong this year, the math was always working against the Magic. The Magic's poor three-point shooting and three-point shooting defense put the Magic in a hole where they had to make free throws. Uh, you, if you go back, listen to my box scores uh, analysis, I always say, you know, the two areas where the Magic have to win. 
the Magic have to win points in the paint. They have to win free throws and they have to win turnovers. Um, turnovers were a big issue throughout the course of the year. Um, when the Magic won free throws, and they did that more this year, obviously, than they've done in a long time, they were okay. Maybe not the greatest offensive team, not beating anyone's doors down, but they were okay. And this is going to be a foundation for this team to continue growing the rest of the year. Or the re- or into their future, I guess, not the rest of the year. Um, we're going to talk a little bit, though, about the math that's working against the Magic and what the Magic need to do to fix that. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, but first, a quick word from our friend, first, a quick word from our friends at game time. We've all had this feeling. We've all had this scenario. We're ready to go to the game. We don't have, don't have tickets or we're getting tickets last minute and we're worried that we're going to get into the building. I know I've had a few, few, few times where I bought tickets at the last second and I'm always like, I don't want to go through some of those bigger ticket places because I know the prices are going to be jacked up. They're going to be rough. You don't want to trust the scalpers. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fastest and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you could stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and a whole lot more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% for the difference. It's the fastest growing tip- ticket app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We want to thank you again for making Locked On, whether you're listening to us right when we upload, whenever, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. And for my everydayers, tomorrow on the show, we're going to chat about two players who went in different directions throughout the course of the year. We'll chat Markel Fultz and Bull Bull a little bit and what went right and wrong in the Magic's development this season. We'll get to that on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. About the math. Um, the Magic really improved their free throw shooting this year. Really improved their ability to get to line. Really improved 
what they're able to do to put themselves in a position to score more points. And, you know, you don't see it necessarily in the raw numbers, but you can definitely feel that the Magic's offensive improve or the Magic's potential offensive improvement will come with their ability to get to the foul line. It's 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 a really big deal uh what the Magic were able to do and and, and obviously something they haven't been able to do particularly well since uh since Dwight Howard left. But the fact of the matter is, and, and we talked about this throughout the course of the season, the math is still working very much against the Magic. Because three is more than two. Um, just plain and simple, three is more than two. And this is a three-point shooting league. This is a league where you have to make threes, you have to take threes to put yourself in to win basketball games or win at the highest levels. You look at teams like Denver, Milwaukee, Phoenix... Sacramento, Golden State, uh, Boston to some extent. Those teams make threes. The teams that struggle, the teams that disappointed this year, Miami missed their threes this year. Atlanta missed their threes this year. You got to be able to shoot to win in this league. And obviously that's the biggest concern for the Orlando Magic. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get to our daily spin, our daily tankathon spin. Um, We all feel like the Magic need to get a shooter out of this draft. I'm a big believer the Magic need more shooting, especially off the bench, just better de- better shooting depth, better shooting dependability. Um, it's it, it, it's something, but there's places where the math just becomes really clear. And, and that's like one of the big things that went wrong this year. Orlando ranked 27th in the league this year in three-point attempts per game at 31.1 per game. It's not a big deal not to take a lot of threes. The Chicago Bulls took 28.9. New Orleans took 30.1. Atlanta took 30.5. The teams below the Magic all made the play-in tournament at least. And in fact, not until you get to Washington at 23 at 31.7 attempts per game do you find a team that didn't make the playoffs. The Lakers in 26 took 31.2. Denver took 31.2. Not something you'd think about with them. Cleveland took 31.6. You could survive on a low volume of three-pointers. The difference is, outside of the Los Angeles Lakers, which, you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis, yada, 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 outside of the outside of the Los Angeles Lakers, every single one of those teams made at least 35% of their threes. Orlando was at 34.6% uh, from beyond the arc, 10.8 three-pointers per game. That raw number hurts. And, and, and Orlando was not, again, not a great percentage. Um, one of the lowest, uh, a low volume three point shooting team, which means obviously, that that means obviously they're going to make fewer threes. Orlando was twenty fifth in the league in three point three point field goals made. Again, teams below them only Charlotte and Houston missed the playoffs. So you can survive this way. So you know, again, we all agree the Magic's offense needs a little bit of a boost. They get to the line a decent amount. They they get to the line more than a decent amount. They get to the line a lot. Um, they, the offense needs a boost. We all see shooting as that clear need offensively, but I would argue the Magic's three-point problem isn't necessarily their three-point shooting. Certainly that's a boost. Certainly that's going to make everyone else's lives easier. The Magic have to turn the ball over less. They make a lot of young team mistakes. But I think the biggest key for the Orlando Magic is not their three-point shooting, defense. And this is something we talked about through the course of the season. Orlando's three-point defense was actually pretty good. They were six in the league, giving up 35.1% shooting from beyond the arc. Teams did not shoot the ball particularly well against Orlando. Obviously, still better than what they shot. You know, well, that, that, that's all a thing. But the key here, 
Yes, the Magic gave up a lead from three, but they also gave up the third most three-point attempts per game in the league. Teams, made, teams shot 37 three-pointers against them. Only Chicago and Houston gave up more. Opponents made 13 three-pointers per game against the Magic. And while that is not the worst in the league, Houston was at 14.5 allowed per game, when you're shooting three-pointers at such a low volume, uh, when you're shooting three-pointers at such a low volume, uh, giving up that many threes hurts. In fact, if you look at, t- at the teams that give up the most three-pointers per game in the league this year, you find a, you find some teams that, yes, are in the playoffs. Houston, uh, Chicago, Miami, New York, Memphis, all gave up more three-pointers per game than Orlando. And even gave up a worse percentage. But the mixture of not team, but you don't see those names that I said earlier. Uh, the Lakers are 20th or the closest. You don't see those names of the teams that take few threes and give up a lot of threes. And, and, and that's the math that we're talking about here. The Magic can make 10 threes a game, but when you're giving up 15, that's 15 points you got to make up. And the foul line can get you there a little bit, but it can't get you there all the time. And so, you know, uh, I talked all year about, you know, I've talked for several years now, that Magic have like five or six things they have to do to win, and if they do three, or, they do four or five of them, they'll, they'll win games. The Magic are probably at those five or six things, and if they can do three or four of them, they'll typically be fine or be competitive. They've, they've risen their level up to that much, but if the Magic give up a lot of three-pointers, there's nothing the team can do. When Sacramento got hot and beat them in Sacramento, there was nothing the Magic could do. When San Antonio got hot and beat them, there was nothing the Magic could do. They did not have... The consistent capability, they, they, they showed they could, but they didn't have the consistent capability to keep up because grinding out free throws, grinding out uh, half-court mid-range jumpers isn't going to catch up on that math. The Milwaukee game was a great example. Magic gave up the most three-pointers in franchise history in, in, in the opponents twice this year. Sacramento, San Antonio, uh, and... Uh, uh, what did I just say? Um, Sacramento, San Antonio... I believe Houston had a big three-point shooting game against Orlando this year. Um, which and They're not a good three-point shooting. San Antonio also not a good three-point shooting team. Um, they gave up their fair share of big shooting games. Milwaukee, that's who it was. Of course, Milwaukee. Um, they gave up their big share of shooting games, and that was just kind of the risk-reward of the way the Magic played their defense. They were so focused on stopping the paint and defending the paint, they would crash the paint and then hope they could use their length to contest three-point shots. And again... For the most part, that worked. For the most part, that that, that worked. The Magic's three-point defense, three-point field goal percentage allowed, at least, was good. But the problem was, you give up so many threes, you expose yourself to giving up a lot of three-pointers. And the Magic just weren't able to make those up on their end. The Magic played best when they shot about 33-point attempts per game. Made, you know, 10, 11, 12 of them. And kept their opponent to like 13, 14. Like kept them within range at least a little bit so that that three-point difference was something they could make up at the foul line, could make up on the offensive glass. They could find ways to make it up somewhere else. But too often, they give up a ton of threes. And so certainly this three-point math, it is it is rightly the obsession for Magic fans this offseason to figure out how do we make up for this three-point math? How do we get over the hump and get past giving up all these three-pointers. How do we make up some of that ground ourselves if we think our defense is fine? And look, the Magic's defense was middle of the pack this year, so 
an improvement for sure, but we're not writing home about how great the Magic defense was. Like, it, it had its struggles. It had its tough parts. And, you know, from the time, from, from December 7th to the day that the Magic were eliminated from the postseason, the Magic were 7th in the league in defensive range. So the Magic's defense is pretty good. But they are prone to giving up these kinds of games. And so a big part of this Magic offseason and a big thing that went wrong this year is now the Magic have to figure out the three-point math. Now the Magic have to be more competitive making threes. They already get to the line. They already live in the paint well. So now it's about Paolo Bancaro making smarter decisions of when to drive and when to kick out. Or, you know, Marco Fultz, Franz Wagner doing the same thing. Knowing when the right three-point shots are. Finding more shooters to spread that floor, make it easier to get to the foul line. All this stuff is connected. And once the Magic improve here, we're going to see a team that's really good. Like, these are little things that very clearly are going to unlock this team and help them advance further uh, further, further off. Three-point math is something, obviously, we are very obsessed with here. We want to see the Magic improve as a three-point shooting team. And we will see if they're able to do that, of course, when the offseason begins. When we come back, though, we're going to talk a little bit about last night's playoff games plus our daily spin. We got another winner, folks. We'll chat about that coming up here. Plus, uh, the tiebreaker got broken, so we'll, we'll chat about that as well. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends at prize picks. The Orlando Magic are indeed out of the playoffs. The Magic aren't playing anymore. The NBA playoffs move on without them, but we want to stay involved in the game. We want to know everything that's going we want to know that everything that's going on and make sure that that uh, that, that we're represented a little bit here. That's why you got to play prize picks. Prize picks is a daily fantasy game for you. It's not going up against these massive groups hoping to just get your money back with rules you don't understand. This is a simple game of more or less. Will will I uh, forget who's playing? Will Donovan Mitchell score more than 25 points tonight? Will Jalen Brunson have more than eight assists tonight? Stuff like that. That's all prize fix is. What you do is you create a two to six player entry and predict whether each player will score more or less than their prize fix projection. If you get them all right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And the best part is, even if you don't get them all right, you will still win. Uh, that's that's the thing I love about Price Picks. It is so easy and exciting to win and get at least get some of your money back every time you play. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NBA, NHL, PGA, and a whole lot more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in more than 30 states, including Florida as well as Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100, will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON and sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. This is Jake from LOCKEDON. LOCKEDON has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Last night in the NBA, we saw some great playoff action as the Philadelphia 76ers gutted one out against the Brooklyn Nets. Not a lot to say about that game. Um, you know, that was a perfect example of, you know, I saw some people ragging on Joel Embiid, and, and, and Brooklyn sent some pretty heavy doubles, but Embiid handled them well, and Philadelphia's guys stepped up. Um, you know, they struggled through that first half. I think Doc Rivers even said we gave that first half away. Philadelphia is really good, and, and they played a really great second half to take that, take the lead and pull away. So they're really dangerous. And and of course, the Sacramento Kings continue to be such an awesome story. That game was unlike any game that I've seen. And, and if you're if you're a skeptical about the Kings, a game like a game like Monday night's game uh, in Sacramento, that shows you that the Kings are kind of for real. I and mean, maybe not kind of for real. The Kings are for real. That they're they're going to be able to withstand and stand up to the pressure that they're about to face. They. They stood tall in this one. They, I think, they really did such a great job. They played physical. They, they let their defense be felt. And, and, and you know, Golden State's Golden State. You never feel like they're completely out of it. But it really looked like Sacramento rattled Golden State, or like, or that Golden State at least couldn't rattle Sacramento. Obviously, it's going to be a different thing at at, at Chase Center uh, in Game Three. Um, Golden State really struggles on the road. They had one of the worst road records in the league. They're one of the best teams at home. So I'm expecting a really big outing. In Game 3 in San Francisco, going to be a really fun series. We always knew that that was going to be a fun, fun series, and it's really delivered so so far. Got three games on the docket tonight. Uh, we'll be excited to see those teams play. But we had some big news for the Orlando Magic uh, on Monday. The ties were broken. Of course, that didn't mean much for the Orlando Magic. They're sitting at 6th in the lottery standings. Again, about 9%. They have a 9% chance at winning the NBA Draft Lottery. But the ties were broken, and the Chicago Bulls defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder in the random draw. The Bulls will have a 1.8% chance of winning the lottery and sit in 11th in the lottery standings. Now, what does this all mean? Um, I had some people ask me about this because I I tend to say, I tend to think of the lottery as number combinations, not as percent chance. So the Magic have 90 number combinations in the lottery. And, and someone asked me what this means, and, and I'll do my bigger lottery explainer later, but the way the lottery work, the way the lottery actually works is you draw four numbers one through 14 from the lottery bowl uh, and every team is assigned a certain number of four number combinations so uh if you put the numbers one through 14 and only the numbers one through 14 just once in a lottery bowl you get 1001 number combinations the only number combination that is not used is uh, 11 12 13 14. Every other number is assigned to each team. So there's essentially a thousand of these number combinations that are used. Um, the Magic have 90 number combinations. And so when a team ties, they split those number combinations evenly. And what happens is, A, you have to break a tie to determine where teams fall if they don't win the lottery, um, if they're tied because they don't care about the regular season at all in lottery ties. Um, but 
But you have to split those numbers evenly. Sometimes you have an odd number. That's what happened with the Chicago Bulls and Oklahoma City Thunder. There are 35 number combinations to split between those two teams. The Bulls won the won their draw. They get 18. Oklahoma City gets 17. Uh, and then and, and that actually like plays out a little bit a little bit more. Chicago as 11th now has an 8% chance of getting into the top four. Or 8.5% chance, excuse me. 8.5% chance of getting in the top four. Oklahoma City sits at 8% now. Seems small, but obviously the chances are still very remote. 91.5% that the Magic are going to get this pick. But the chances are greater now for Chicago. But on the flip side, now Orlando picks 11th if if Chicago doesn't make the lot, if Chicago and Oklahoma City don't make the lottery, that's the that's the nuts and bolts of the tiebreaker. It's 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 a big deal. It's a small deal. It's a thing that nerds like me care about. Um, that's done. We'll see how the lottery plays out. Ex- almost exactly one month uh, on May on May sixteenth, uh, seventeenth. I forget what day it is. But let's start daily spin of the day. Uh, we have our second lottery win of the calendar year. The Orlando Magic climbing up to the number one pick. This is our second time winning the lottery uh, in this in this since we started doing this. Um, hopefully that does not mean that the Magic are not going to. Uh, hopefully that doesn't mean we're wasting them. Um, but obviously you draft Victor Wembanyama if you're first. That's that goes without saying. The, the the growing sense that I get from Magic fans is uh, we need to get a shooter out of this draft. Um, you know I'm a big believer. You draft best player available, whoever that is, doesn't matter. Take the best guy on your board. Take the guy that's going to help you the most. Take the guy that's going to fit the most. You've, I, I, I agree with that sentiment. So I, I'm not necessarily in the camp that you absolutely have to take a, a shooter in this draft. I'm not just, I'm set like shooter or bust, shooter or bust, shooter or bust, shooter or bust, shooter or bust. That's, that's just not how I operate or how I think here. Um, at 12, if, you know, Bryce Sensabaugh is your best pick, take Bryce Sensabaugh. If, you know, it, but I, I will say at 12, you're very likely to get a shooter. I think Grady Dick will be off the board at, at 11. Sorry, excuse me. This, this I, I did this spin before the tiebreakers were set. Um, at 11, Grady Dick's probably going to be off the board. You're probably looking at Keontae George. Um, a, a lot of people have soured on him. I think he. I think he is someone that could that's going to that could benefit a lot from pre-draft workouts. He's got if he can outperform, you know, his peers, especially if he gets like. If I were Keontae George's agent and I'm feeling confident about Keontae George, what I do is I try to have him you know, follow around Anthony Block and Nick Smith and try and get them in as many workouts together as possible. And if Keontae George can beat those guys, because both those guys are pretty good defenders, if he could outperform those guys, that that's going to help his draft stock tremendously. That That's how I think. I don't think a lot of agents think that way anymore. They try to avoid those group workouts. But like, that's how Donovan Mitchell rose the draft boards is he kept playing all the guys around him, uh, had a really good workout in Utah, and and everyone began to believe like, oh, this, this kid's actually going to be pretty good. Um that's 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 a guy to look. That's a guy to keep a, keep an eye out. And again, Keontae George had a decent season at Baylor. He had to be a, he had to do a lot of creation, um, which he was okay at. He had some good moments for sure, some bad moments as well. Um, it's it, it's it's a question whether he can kind of sublimate his game to be a shooter and be what the NBA needs him to be. And I think that's why he started to drop because it's like, uh, is he actually a good shooter or not? Because his free throw percentage isn't great. You know, he had a lot of off the dribble threes, which doesn't help his percentage, but. Definitely a, a big consideration. I'm a big Jordan Hawkins guy. I don't see him going in the lottery on a lot of mock drafts yet. I think Jordan Hawkins is very much an option at 12 if, if the Magic do want to go the shooter route. Um, you know, there there are several other players. You know, you might. I don't. I don't really want a rookie center, but Derek Lively from Duke is also very much an option. 
uh, there at at at, uh, at eleven in, in in that late lottery section of the draft. So obviously we're we're gonna have a lot of time to go over some of the draft prospects. We'll get to get to them in more detail uh, in the coming weeks and months. But that's gonna do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Which you're tuning in to Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast enable listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter, at OMagicDaily. We want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, whether we're your first listen, whether you're listening, whatever you're listening to us, we truly appreciate you listening to our podcast every single day. For my everydayers on tomorrow's episode, we're going to chat about Markel Fultz and the rise that he had, and we're going to take a ride on the bowler coaster and the ups and downs of bowl bowl season. We'll get to that on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, but until then... For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman. Mike, we'll see you all again next time for another episode. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.